Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. The Tim Phillips story goes back to 1984, actually a little earlier than that. I think God always put some people in my life um, that, that directed me. One of my mom's friends was, a, was an Episcopal priest and I got to be really good friends with his son. And so I got a little bit of the church there, um, but I, I always talked to God. I always requested a lot from God, but I, I spent so much of my early life um, thinking that something, or, or basically once I got to dating age, somebody else would solve all my problems. Because, you know, you have one human being that's messing things up, what's better than adding two? Because that'll make it all perfect. Um, yeah, that was, it's just one of those crazy things that you get sucked into. And that was really my mindset for, for a lot of years, uh, in my teen years. But I had, you know, I, I, I knew my mom loved me. At the time, my, my folks split when I was, uh, I think, 11 years old. Uh, between fifth and sixth grade, it wasn't amicable. It was a pretty, pretty scary time, and and we uh, we left the house uh, at one night um, after they had a big fight, and uh, we lived we lived on back in the day. It was 77, 1977. So I had collected these bicentennial coins that came out starting in 1976. So I had maybe 70 bucks of that, and we lived off that for about a month. It was kind of crazy times. Camped at the old Kiwanis Park before they had any really camping places at all, um, right by where the playground is now. So um, they're pretty dark times. Uh, I lost three of my best friends, moved away between fifth and seventh grade. I lost all them. I lost our, you know, our family security there, and we struggled. Um, we were living in places that obviously weren't weren't uh, weren't very good. And, and um, I kids teased me a lot. I was not the cool kid. But uh, through all that, I, I kind of managed to make it through, but I was a pretty lonely kid. I would say that, I don't know if I was suicidal, but I really thought about, gosh, it'd be so much easier just to end this. Um, and I didn't really think through that very much, but I really struggled. I think there were people that that were put in my life to, to at least get me by for a few years until I could uh, figure things out a little bit or, or God could get a hold of me, depending on which way you want to look at it. But cross country and track came around and my high school coach, Mark Yoakum, just really took me under his wing and became a father figure for me. And I probably should have had more success than I did. I was fairly successful, but, but should have been a lot better, but still had a lot of baggage, emotional stuff, and it was, was not your your tried and true athlete who comes through in the clutch. A lot of, a lot of emotions I fought through. So it was, a, it was, it was an up and down time, but it got me a ticket to, to college and got me uh, through high school and gave me something to pursue. Um, and, then, and then, you know, I, uh, we went to college. We were there early. I had maybe $100. Um, back at the time, we didn't have McDonald's in Glasgow, so that was my first stop. Go, uh, go to McDonald's. And then I went to Kmart and bought a Trivial Pursuit game. So those are my two things. So I, I brought those back. Um, we had practice for a week, and then it was Labor Day weekend, and it was Dickinson's what they call a suitcase college, where everybody goes home on the weekends. Um, there's not many kids that are there from far away, at least at least back in the 80s. And uh, 
So the, there's no practice that weekend. So the team, most of them left. So there may be five or six of us in the dorm. And I'm just um, sitting, and I'm only child, so I'm very good at entertaining myself. So I just set up the six pieces of pie in Trivial Pursuit, and I played myself as six different teammates, and, and, uh, and or te I guess foals, I guess, of the different colors, and played Trivial Pursuit against myself all weekend long. And somewhere in there, I don't have a moment, I just, uh, I just had, I, I can't tell you, it was a supernatural voice or whatever, I just thought, I'm gonna just start reading the Bible. And I was probably pretty lonely. You know, I was first time away from home, really, and uh, nobody else there. And so I just started reading the Bible and just like everything clicked uh, that weekend. So Labor Day weekend of 84. Got involved in InterVarsity um, Christian Fellowship and got into that a little bit and started going to church a little. And I remember, you know, the first, it was just like I had a peace and, and, and the, uh, the, the weight of the world is lifted off me, and I, and I still have in my mind, I can see myself, there's this little two sidewalks that come together, so I jumped the corner of the sidewalk, and just, I remember thanking God for the green grass. I was on that emotional high, and, and I was like, boy, this is gonna be a great life. I, this is gonna be exciting, you know? And I, and I at that point, I didn't, didn't know that, that that emotional high comes to an end pretty quickly, but I, but I still have this vision. I could take you back to Dickinson and show you exactly the sidewalk that I had jumped over, and I thought that. But of course, you know, life, life throws us things, and, and you lose that, that big spark. And so where I've grown the most is, is in a small group. Uh, that has been the, the biggest thing, the biggest change. And, and, and to me, I think as Christians, I think that is where the ultimate growth should be. I think that's where it will come. If you get with a couple of three people and you're accountable to each other, or even if, if you're just learning about things and you can get on that deep roots level and share, that is, that is probably the biggest growth you can have. I can look back now and if I were to go tomorrow, I'd be okay because I can't say I've been perfect. I can't say I gave everything I had, but I can say, gosh, I, I, I apply. I think I applied uh, as much as, as God allowed me to, uh, to, my, to my job, to my, to my uh, coaching, and to, to my parenting and uh, through this imperfect vessel that, that he gave me um, and allows me to, to do those things, which to me are just tremendous things. I would like to uh, read with you the foundation scripture that we've been going through since the beginning of our, our Acts uh, study together. And that is found in Acts 1.8. And it says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And today uh, is... Um, no different from what we've kind of been going through. And this verse right here is the, is the foundational verse to say this, that as the church and as we set up the church, that is our whole entire goal, is that as we seek to follow God and as we are filled with the Holy Spirit more and more, our whole goal is to be witnesses to the fact of who Jesus Christ is. Not to be witnesses to how amazing our church is, even though we should be proud of our church, or how amazing what is going on in our life is, but no, to be encouraged by what Jesus Christ is doing in our hearts, and to continue to share that over and over again. And so last week, um, we ended with 
the fact that these people were telling John and Peter to stop talking about Jesus. Just stop talking. And, and they kind of were just like, I'm sorry, we, we really can't do that. And so they let them go with a slap on the wrist and say, fine, I guess you can leave and that's okay, but please really don't make more waves for us. And we jump right into the piece of scripture in which uh, John and Peter keep coming back into, um, back into uh, the fold and get with all the believers and we find out that instantly they don't just tell a story or instantly they don't just keep going on. They stop and they pray. Which made me really consider uh, this week, do I believe in the power of prayer? Because uh, there are things that we say about prayer all the time. Or we start to kind of go down this path and we go, wait a second, is that really what I truly believe? I'll give you an example. Uh, if you don't know this about me yet, you will soon get to know this. I love Costco. I, I thought that my like, love for Costco would wane because, you know, eventually. But like there was, uh, my wife and I got to go on a uh, pastors and wives couples retreat this weekend. And so thank you, my church family, for sending us there. And so we got to go to Billings. And of course, if you're going to go to Billings, you stop at Costco. And I don't, I've been trying to rack my brain why I love Costco, and here's the thing why I think I like it, is because as soon as you get into Costco, they give you that huge cart, like, try to fill me up. And I'm like, challenge accepted every single time. And so as you walk into Costco and you feel kind of special because you show the card, membership, Huh? Right? Yeah. Membership. And so you're walking in there and uh, it's been going on for probably the last year and a half. But um, right away, you kind of get past that first little kind of all the stuff on the side, the TVs and, and everything. And there's always somebody standing there and they say, hey, have you signed up for the Costco City Card rewards yet? Right? And so... Um, I, because I'm a proud member of Costco, uh, every single time I say, you bet I have, right? Like, you bet I have 2% back. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. But anyway, so Michelle is her name this week. And so we're sitting there, and Michelle looks at us and goes, hey, have you, have you applied for your city bank Costco or your city rewards card through Costco and and both my wife and I look at her and say yeah absolutely she said yes I said you bet I have I did say that you bet I have and she looked at us and all of a sudden her eyes just like got super big and she's like oh, thank you so much for talking to me Thank you so much for responding to me and telling me that you have. And like, I like, usually I just say, you bet I have. And like, I keep on walking because it's awkward. And she starts walking with us, right? Like, she's like, thank you so much. for. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, like you could just see the relief of going, somebody is responding to me. And I'm like, like I've, Michelle, I have to tell you, because I love name tags, by the way. If somebody wears a name tags, I will always say their name, right? And so, Michelle, I'm like, I can't believe, Michelle, do, do people not respond to you? And she's like, oh, you, you, don't, you don't know how people respond to me. And she's like, I, this is just kind of something I have to do. And so I, I'm like, so how do, how do you respond to them? And she's like, the only thing I can do is like, 
I just have to smile, you know, like this is kind of my job for the day. And like, I'm pretty sure they do it on rotation because I don't think you can handle that much rejection like multiple days in a row. And so like, I'm sure it's just, you know, it's never the same person, but like, like she just started talking to us. And I said, man, we, we love Costco and all that sort of stuff. And she's just like, man, I just really like it that you like connect like your eye. And I'm just starting the process of going, okay, how can I like encourage Michelle? And, and I looked at her and I said, you know what, Michelle? I think that the rest of the time, if people don't respond to you, just be like, I'll be praying for you. Right, like as they just walk by and I'm like, and she's just like, that is a really good idea. And I thought to myself as I was walking through the rest of Costco is, did I just use prayer as kind of like a, kind of like a, I'll be praying for you, buddy, right? Like this, like, or do I actually believe in the power of prayer? Maybe can I change the idea of looking at prayer and going, man, I do want to pray. I wonder if Michelle would wake up that morning and she knows she's on credit card duty, right? To sit there and go, God, this is going to be one of the hardest things, but could you help me find something? Could you help me pray for somebody as we walk through or as they walk by me? Instead of using it as a tool to get back, could we use it as a tool to make change in the world around us? Do we believe that prayers have the ability to change our lives? Because the reality is, is a lot of times we pray and not much changes. The reality is, is that person that's maybe mean and we do say, I'm going to pray for them and we pray for them. They're still mean people. And so maybe the idea isn't so much that we need to pray for some sort of change, but we can pray for who God is and the idea that God has brought us into a relationship with him and he can affect our hearts. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop praying for the people that are mean to me or stop pray, not, uh, or that I'm not going to stop praying because something hasn't been healed or something hasn't changed because maybe as we go along, I can look at, okay, God, what are you doing? And I need to walk into your kingdom. We've said this over and over to you guys again from the pulpit is, is that our lives aren't really based on our circumstances. Our lives are based on the fact of who Jesus is and who and what he's done on the cross. And as we walk with God, we can face any circumstance we're at because we can give God glory always. And I think this rest of this story, finally, we're going to be done with the story of the uh, blind or not the lame beggar that John and Peter heal. But I want to kind of dive into what this prayer looked like with them. But if you're taking notes, the very first thing that I want you to write down is this, is that prayer should be our first response, not a last-ditch effort. Prayer should be our first response, not a last-ditch effort. When talking to Michelle, that's what it seems like, right? This last-ditch effort of, well, I'm going to get back at you, so I'll be praying for you. God, every person that walks by me today, would I give them your grace? Would I show mercy? I don't know if Michelle was a Christian or not. I have no clue. 
But what about me when I walk into Costco? Can I take every opportunity to say, hey, want the grace and mercy of God to flow through me as I talk to anybody and everybody. And so that's where we're going to dive into as we look at this scripture, as we see Peter and John over and over again in the book of Acts going, we don't know what to do, but we're going to pray. We don't know what to do, but we're going to pray. It's the first response, not we've tried 20 things and now we're going to pray. And so we pick up in this uh, story in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, flip open to Acts chapter 4 with me. And we're going to dive into this story. But we're going to take this just like we uh, kind of took it last week. Is we're going to stop at certain points and go, hey, why don't we look at this? And so if prayer is our first response then when we pray, there should be some things evident in our prayer as we pray. And so we're going to fill in the blanks as we kind of go in each one of these spots. And so here we go, verse 23. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up there already. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. No matter what's going on, they're sitting there going, eh, we're praying, let's do this right now. And so when we pray, this is what they're starting to pray. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors, David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, and the governor and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord... Hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May, may, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so there's four things in this prayer that uh, I want to go through. And the very first thing is this, is when we pray, give God praise for who he is. I think so often, right away, we have a laundry list of, here's the list, God, we need you to take care of. And so we go right away into, God, please start healing, please start doing this, hey, do this. And it's almost as if God is a genie. God, grant us our three wishes, and we're starting now. But instead, we see this moment in which they sit there, and the very first thing they say is found in verse 24. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. When we give God praise for who he is, it sets us up for understanding who we are. It under, gives, brings us understanding into our own need for God. 
our own need that we can't control absolutely every single circumstance that's going on in our lives. We know that God has absolutely every single answer because he is sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord in that one sentence means that he already has everything under control. He knows what's going on. You know, I, th- I thought about this and thinking about we want to say, say things to God like, I, only, it's only me going through things like this. I'm, I'm so struggling. It's, it's my own. I mean, we want to make everything about us. And I feel like when I read this statement, oh, sovereign Lord, he already knows what's going on. He's not blind to what's going on around the world and everything else, but he knows everything and can say, yeah, I got you covered. I have you handled. You're not alone. And he does that for all some odd 8 billion people in the world today. He's not bothered by your prayer, whether it's super small or super huge. He, oh, he is ready to listen to you at every single moment. When we were watching uh, David Platt's Secret Church a couple weeks ago, that it just absolutely struck me that it's not like it's not like we come to God and go, "Hey, um, you, you busy? You, you you got you got some time for me?" Like, no, God is God is never busy but always busy, right? Like he is God and he can handle anything because he is sovereign and he is the creator of all things. And so he deserves our praise. If you can't come up with something to praise God, then your, our view of him is not grand enough. If all we can come up with is negativity of how God has done things in our lives, we have a horrible view of who God is. He is the creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. There is not a single thing that you are looking at today that he hasn't created. And you can go, well, we, we definitely created this building and we built this sort of stuff here and, and look at this, look at these green chairs. We, we did that. And, and I would like to say, um, you realize that, that God created out of nothing. And we had to find material to be able to create anything. If God wanted a T-Rex to show up in this room right now, he could do it. I don't know why I thought of T-Rex. It's just the biggest thing that I think could fit in here right now. I like dinosaurs. Um, (laughs) But shouldn't that bring us to our knees already? Like spend time thinking about praising him for who he is. 
right now, I want you to take 20 seconds. You, you can bow your head if you want to. You can just keep on looking. But right now, for 20 seconds, I want you to praise God for who he is right now. Not out loud, in your head if you want to. The second thing they do in their, in their prayer to God is something that I've been, uh, has been really hard for me, but I'm, I'm starting to get better at it. And it is this, is pray his word back to him. Pray his word back to him. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors, David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with their futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. What they're saying right now is this. As we look at everything that is going on around us, you already told us this would happen. We're not surprised by this. As we're reading your scripture, you said we were going to come into persecution, that people would reject the Messiah. We aren't surprised by this. Maybe some of you that are in here can look at scripture and go, no, God gives hope and I don't have much hope right now. I told my wife the other day that sometimes I feel like David in looking at the Psalms and why are all, the, uh, why are all of David's enemies, and I, and I wouldn't say that I have enemies, but why are people around us prospering? And yet we are struggling just to get our own head wrapped around things. And David goes on to say, no, but you're going to be my fortress and you are my shelter and you are my rock in which I can stand upon. Those are things that I can pray back to God. That as I look at all of the things going on around me, I can use his word because here's the deal, is God is not silent. I think sometimes when we come to prayer, we look at, uh, we look at it and we go, God, would you just answer me? And I feel as if God is saying, I already really have. It's scripture. Look at it. Solomon says it perfectly when he says there's nothing new under the sun. And so whatever you're going through, whatever it is, the Bible has the answers for it. I'm sure and I'm almost positive that in this room right now that there's people that are on the brink of divorce. I'm sure that right now that people are on the brink of going, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I'm sure in this very room that there are some of us who are just going, I am one bad check away from just getting wiped out. I'm sure in this room that there are people that are going, I don't know how to deal with my life right now. It would be better just to end it. I'm sure in this room right now that people had a fight with their significant other or with their children as they were coming to church. 
I am sure right now that there were some of you that woke up and it's been the best day you've ever had and you are walking on rainbows and uh, skittles are flying all around you and it's tons of fun for you today because God is that good. Skittles and rainbows go together. I think. And as I look at all of those things, I think the word absolutely has the ability to speak into all of those. I think lately some of the verses that have been coming to my mind is, God, I know that I messed up with my relationship with my spouse. But God, I know that your Mercies are new every morning, and so thank you for forgiving me, even though my wife or my significant other hasn't done that yet. God, I can walk and try to be better today. There are some of us who maybe need to be reminded that, God, in in terms of finances, God, we don't live on bread alone, but we live on you. And so, God, would you help us? To grow. Maybe there's a verse that just you need to hold on to. There are some people that are just like, this is my verse for the whole entire year that I'm going to grab a hold of. And anytime I have a hard time, I'm going to remember it. One of the verses that I remember getting me almost actually through uh, the whole time in college was Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well. God, I I don't know what you've got for me. I don't know where I'm supposed to go, but God, you have said I need to seek you first. So God, please help me to seek you first. Which brings us to the next part in when we pray, what do we pray? And that is ask for what you need. Ask for what you need. It goes into verse 27, and I really like this, by the way, because they are praying while the people who killed Jesus and set him up to die on the cross are still in power. They're still around. And they have the opportunity to pray for them. It's not somebody who is off in the distance or anything like that. It is right now that they say, in fact, this has happened here in this very city. God, we've seen what your scripture said it was going to do. And this is what's happening in this very city right now. Man, it's coming true. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, here's our need. Hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. This is crazy to me. They didn't ask for safety. They didn't ask for more money to kind of spread out different things. They, They simply said, God, we need boldness. We need for you to infuse us with your power to preach your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power 
may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. So they simply keep on asking for their needs. God, in this very moment, in this situation, this is what we need. They told us to stop preaching, so we're going to ask that you would help us to preach. And the very last thing that when we pray, and, and I know there's more in this, but the very last thing when we pray is ask for, the king, for his kingdom to live through you. Ask for his kingdom to live through you. God, we want things to be done in your name through Jesus Christ, so here's what we want. We want your kingdom to live, not ours. Not what we, we really want, but what we actually need. And this is what happens. After this prayer and meeting place, after their prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And God answers prayers. See, when we give God praise, when we remember his word to come back over and over again into our hearts and we ask for what we need, not what we want, but what we need, and then we seek to grow his kingdom through us, incredible things start to happen. They start preaching God's words with boldness and then things go crazy within the church. And I would like to spend more time on this later, and we will, but I'm going to go through these last couple of things really rather quickly. It says in verse 32 that all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that, they, that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified power, powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one uh, the, one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Here's what happens is they become one body together. And as they pray and as they talk about their needs and as they pray God's word into their lives, they see God's kingdom growing and they say, man, my life is not my own. It is for the body of Christ. And so the results of the prayer, this is what happens. They start bold living. They start preaching and they do things that are so counterproductive to this world. Countercultural from this word, not counterproductive, countercultural. The whole point is that we're supposed to own more and get more and increase our kingdom. And instead they go, no, we want to sell more so that we can give more so that we can increase God's kingdom doesn't mean they sold everything to become poor. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that, hey, this guy had a field he didn't need, so he sold it. And the last thing is this, is they had bold sharing. The results of their prayer was bold sharing. They started sharing things and it didn't make sense. There wasn't a single person in need. 
And as I understand that we talked earlier about there's so many different things that come into this room right now as I'm preaching, that there are probably needs. And we need to challenge one another to look at those and go, is that really a need? Is it a want? What is it? But it means that we live life together. And as we come together, we can start sharing our needs with one another and start going, we want to make sure that nobody has needs. And so if you have a huge need right now, I've maybe got 10 bucks in my pocket. Um, man, I'm, I'm willing to do that. Or if you need prayer or if you need encouragement, if you need something, part of it is first, have you started praying about it? Or are you doing everything you can to do it on your own? And I would like, love to ask, is your need really a need? Or is it because you look at everything else around you and you go, that's what I want. Well, is that really a need then? So as I couldn't have done this any more better because sometimes my uh, communication is horrible with the worship team, uh, they are going to actually sing the last verse, the verses that I had here. So I'm going to invite the worship team and, and we're going to sing instead of reading um, Matthew 6, 19 through 13. But I want you to notice something as we sing the Lord's prayer together is the very first thing that we start out with is that we praise God for who he is that we ask that his kingdom would be here on earth and that he would have his kingdom known among us. That when we have a need, God would take care of it. And when we ask for his kingdom to live through us, that we would understand his mercy upon us, but that we would also give mercy to others. And then that we would continue his kingdom throughout our days. And so let's sing this song together and then Brian will close us.
Okay, so if, in case we, we didn't remember, this all started because Peter and John were walking into the temple and there was, there was a, a lame dude sitting next to the doorway and he's asking for money. They said, I've got something better. His name's Jesus. Dude gets up, leaping all over the temple and then John and Peter get in trouble. And so I'm thinking like Seth and I heading to the event center and we, as we walk in, like in the name of Jesus, get up, which we're not even that bold anyway, okay? So that, that's probably not gonna happen. We'd pick that person up, maybe help them get to the doctor or something like that. But if, let's just say if that happened and, and we look over like in the name of Jesus, get up. And that person gets up and starts leaping around the event center and somebody finds out and they take us to jail because we didn't have some kind of license or certificate or something you need to heal and medically work on people. And so they take us to prison here and then Seth and I are in prison. First of all, we're not going to act like this. We're not gonna act like this. We're not gonna speak as boldly. I know that. And it's rough to even think about that. But then, then miraculously, we preach Jesus throughout all of it and they let us go. And we get back to the church family and here's where we find ourselves today. We're back to the church family. And I can, I can picture the prayers and I'm not making fun of anyone except for myself in this, okay? But in the prayer, I can imagine we as a church family getting together and Lord, put a hedge of protection over Seth and Brian. May they rejoin their family, get back to the jobs that we've, we've got for them, and, and Lord, keep them protected. Thank you for their boldness, you know, yada, yada, yada. There's nothing in this prayer about protection. There's nothing in this prayer about making things smooth sailing. And I know that my prayers, maybe yours as well, are often about, can you please, Lord, make things easier for me? Now let's imagine if they had had that prayer before, they wouldn't have even had the opportunity to heal somebody because God made it easy for them. They wouldn't have had an opportunity to preach to the jailer, to the, the, the people in prison, the other. They would have no opportunity. If everything was easy in our life, we would never have an opportunity to share Jesus because we continue to take credit as we already do. So let's change our prayer to this. Give God praise for who he is. Pray his word back to him, and that's a tricky one. I think about my daughter, and if I'm like, no, you can't have a cookie, what's the first thing that she says? But you said, right? We've done that many times. So we can go to God and say, but you said, but we have to read his word in order to know that. Ask for what we need. And the more you're in his word, the more you'll understand what we need. And it's not safety, it's not protection, it's not money, it's not jobs, it's not security, it's him. Pray for him. And ask for his kingdom to live through you. And, you, and know, and know that in that, it may be hard. But let's be excited because this life is temporary and eternity is forever so that we may live boldly and share all that we have. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up your name, your holy, amazing name, the creator of love, the creator of grace and forgiveness and justice, the creator of this earth and the masterpieces in this room. Lord, may we have a radical change in our prayer life. For each and every one of us, that's going to be unique. Maybe we don't always pray for safety and healing, but Lord, may we pray more. May we talk to you more. 
May we ask for the things that, that together with you we need. And Lord, may we be a part of your unfolding plan. Uniquely and individually following your guidance in every step that we take. No matter how menial the task, Lord, may we bring you into it. No matter how hard it may seem, Lord, can you be a part of our life so that this community gets mad about how much we're sharing your name. Lord, help us to be bold. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.